0: The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First, Thessalonians chapter 4. And I'm going to ask you to do something that I'm terrible at, which is multitask. Uh, Gentlemen, if you could put that purpose statement slide up for me, please. Right there. I'd like for all of us, again, not because this is Pastor Ben's statement or even our church statement, but if you find in this world where many people, many people and churches are losing their vision, they're, they're losing their way, they're becoming lost, they're they're losing what it is that Jesus has called the church to be. If you find this pleasing to your Savior, I'm going to ask you to read it all together with me. New Covenant Community Church Community Church Purpose Statement. Calling every follower of Jesus to magnify His name, minister His gospel, mimic His holiness, and multiply His disciples. So let us keep that at the forefront so we can stay focused on what our purpose of being here is, church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, returning there. Uh, If you and I were to go hiking, we would gain much knowledge by being able to look at a map of where our journey would take us. And we would gain much by being able to look at a topographical map, one that shows you the elevations. We would be able to tell where the streams would be based on the elevation differences. We'd be able to glean much from that. We would be able to glean the most, however about the journey that we were embarking on, if we could, and this is not always possible on a hiking endeavor, but if you could step back a couple miles and climb up to a high cliff and, and view with your own eyes, you could see the landscape that you were going to be traversing. It would give you a very clear picture of what it was that you, were, that you would be going through. And my prayer throughout this series that we're in, in times, in our times... Uh, my prayer is that it would serve to be that high precipice, that the future of what we're going through would become a clear picture. It's no longer a fuzzy thing to you, but for all of us together as a church family, we would see this and, and we've got a clear array of the view of, of what it is that we're traversing through as we progress towards the coming of Christ. And that as we view that route, we would see the great provision that Jesus has made for us. Amen. So that is the goal in this. First Thessalonians chapter 4, look to verse 13. Where we read and it says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you also as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, Continuing on to, verse, or to chapter 5. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. So that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. Let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation." For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. New Covenant Community Church, if you are thankful for God's Word, say thank you, Jesus. New Covenant Community Church exists to praise Jesus through worship and the Word. Worship and Word. We're becoming a church that is so needing God's Word, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. So, so let's just go to the Lord and pray as we, as we give Him thanks for these things. Father, we thank You for Your Word that, that shows us the way, Lord. We would be lost, God, if it was not for You, having spoken to us through Your Word that You've given us. Let us cherish it. Let us not overlook it. Let us treat it as it really is, which is your loving, guiding instruction. It gives us warning. It shows us the way we need it, Lord. Let us praise you through our adherence to your word. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. So I announced a few weeks ago that Abby and I are going to be in the process of building a home and, and we're... We've we've dove right into it. We're working with floor plans and blueprints, and and uh, and for those of you that have done a project like this or any similar type of project, you know that you begin with your blueprint, and it's what's on paper. And then throughout the process of building, you begin to make so what is on the paper. You have an idea of it as you see it on the paper, but it becomes more clear as you go along, what the building specifically looks like and and how it all takes shape and you know that there's different stages there's the groundbreaking there's the excavating there's the laying of the foundation and walls there's the framing there's all these things and and if you were to drive by and many of you will abby and i we have many people out to our home we love hosting we love sharing meals with you we love living life with you in that way so as we go through this process i i know that over this next year or however long maybe 10 years however long it takes me to build this house um You'll see the stages of the process, and there will be many times that you'll come over where you will see an unfinished project. You'll see it in the middle of its progression, Uh, in the timeline of history as we look at it, uh, we see the blueprint, which is the Word of God that we have in our hands this morning, and I certainly hope that you have in your hands and that you bring with you to church. We have the blueprint, Uh, and perhaps the beginning stages of the project have happened, perhaps We know that the foundation of the world, that the Genesis account of creation has happened. The the ground has been broken. The the foundation has been laid. Perhaps the framing has been completed. But the finishing touches of of God's whole plan are not done yet. We're right in the middle of this whole story. Uh, When God God used Paul to write letters to the churches, as we read in the New Testament, uh, there were usually some sharp rebukes in there there are some usually things that the churches really needed correcting on one of those churches however is the church at Thessalonica the Thessalonians the church of the Thessalonians you get the sense that they were a very very solid church but there was one thing that God did remind that church and I think that very well God could be reminding us today as well uh, is that we're in the middle of this we're in the middle of preaching a sermon series titled End Times in Our Time. And, and the church at Thessalonica, they could have done the same thing. They, they could have had that. They were in the church age between Christ's first and second coming. I've had people tell me before, and you probably have too, they say that the Bible is an old book. And it's true that God did choose to use these people from thousands of years ago to pen the words of Scripture. But it's kind of like if you had a blueprint of a house. And the house was still being built. Regardless of how long it took you to finish the project, the blueprints were there. And and just because the blueprints were written long ago and you're still building, it's still going up, the the project is still happening, It, it doesn't mean that the blueprint has been nullified by any means. It's still as important as the day that it was created as it is now as you progress through time in that building project. And so it is today. So the question that the Thessalonians had because of the time that they were in, they were, yes, in the church age, yes, in this between the first and second comings of Christ. They were, they were in the same phase that you and I are in. They had some additional questions because they didn't have the entire blueprint. Uh, they didn't have the completed Word of God that you and I have today. They, they had some questions about things, particularly about what they could expect in the phase that they were in the question that this good, loving, God-fearing, faithful church had was, was what can we expect in this, in this phase, in this time? And it sounds as though this particular church was mourning over lost people, people in the church that had died, that they were mourning over them as if they would never see them again. And this is the thing that, that God is reminding them of. Let's go back now to verse 13, chapter 4 of First Thessalonians where God reminds these people at the church of Thessalonica. He says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Everyone say, fallen asleep. asleep. Fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. Now this is very interesting here. There's come out of this particular text a faulty theology that they would call soul sleep, which is essentially the understanding, the thinking, that when the believer dies, they simply just go to sleep, and that both their body and their soul, their spirit, are both asleep, and just under the ground, not doing anything, almost a phase of being dormant until the return of Christ, when those body and souls will be resurrected. And we know that that's not true. As we see the entirety of God's Word, we look at the blueprint, and we see all that it has to say. Jesus said in Luke 23, chapter 23, verse 43, He looks over to the criminal that was hanging on the cross next to Him and He says, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with Me in paradise. So He was saying not His body, His body would not be there, but His spirit. He would be, the real Him would be there with Jesus in paradise that very day. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8. Paul says, We are confident. Yes, well-pleased rather. I love the way he says it. We're confident. Better yet, we're well-pleased. Rather, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So the understanding that we have is, is that God is reminding this church at Thessalonica and that God is reminding you and I today as we're both in this middle of the story seeing the blueprint being built as we're going along is that the body and soul are two different creations of God. Okay? The body... It's just the shell. It's the sometimes failing shell. The soul, however, I could say is, as best I could describe it, it's the real you. It's the you that will stand before God. It's your soul that will stand before God. It's the you if you're a believer in Jesus today and you love Him and you trust Him and you've repented of your sins. It's your soul that would be with Jesus today should your life be required of you. This may be a terrible illustration, but if you've ever been to the beach and you see those little crabs that walk along the sand, and they can leave their shell. Not all kinds of crabs can do this, but the kind that you're thinking of with me is it can do this. And they can leave their shell and go into another shell. But when you think of what is actually there, the thing that's actually true, what's actually the crab is, is not the shell, it's just the shell that it's residing in. It's the thing, it's the actual living thing. And so so it is with our bodies and our souls. Now in this church age, when the body dies, we understand that the soul goes immediately to Jesus. And when Jesus returns, Scripture tells us that He will bring these souls with Him. Okay, So follow along with this. Jesus says that for those who believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those souls who sleep in Jesus. It's not a death, it's not an end, it's a sleeping, it's a separation of body and soul. Now look to verse 15 with me if you would please. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. And I certainly hope you have God's word in front of you because I will insert many of my own words. And I don't want you to make an error thinking that what I'm saying is scripture when it's not. I'm saying this first part For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Now hit pause there, and I will say what God is saying is that what the disciples are saying, what Paul is saying as he's writing this is this is not just some willy-nilly feeling. This is the word of the Lord, this is true. This is steadfast. This is trustworthy. What I'm telling you here in this is absolutely the truth. It's We say this to you by the Word of the Lord. Continuing on in God's Word. That we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Now this verse, as many of these verses and almost every verse that we'll go over in this entire series, causes much confusion and there's there's much disagreement on interpretation. I'm going to give you the very best interpretation that I know how to give you. But please pray, please read, please study as we go through this. But the dead in Christ will rise first. Here's how we could picture this, if you could paint this picture in your mind. Say that sometime this week you and I decide to have lunch and we share a meal together and we decide to go get some fresh air and, and to walk through a local cemetery. And say at that very moment as you and I are strolling through this beautiful area, this well-manicured area with these tombstones and we're walking through side by side together and, and say that that would be the time that the Father looks to the Son and say it is time. Go and receive your bride. And say that the Lord were to return at that very moment. I don't know exactly what it will look like, but I've got the blueprint, and here's what the blueprint tells me. It says that we will see the Lord. That we will actually see Him. That's not going to be some kind of figurative thing. It's not going to be some kind of feeling that our eyes will see Him. We will see Him coming. The old song goes, Behold, He comes riding on the clouds. And that's exactly, church, what it will be like. We will see Him coming. There's going to be a shout and there's going to be the sound of a trumpet. We'll not only see those things, our ears will be filled with the sound of a shout and with the trumpet of God. I have no idea what those things sound like, but I'll bet it's loud. <laughs> a shout and a trumpet. And the Bible says that the dead in Christ will rise first. So imagine that you and I are walking through the cemetery together and perhaps, I don't know exactly, but perhaps as we're walking along and you see all these tombstones, that some of them representing the Christians that have died, those who sleep in the Lord, those whose souls have been with Jesus ever since the moment that they died, that all of a sudden, perhaps in the same way that the stone rolled away from the tomb of Jesus, in the same kind of way that this dirt begins to just move off to the side. And perhaps it will be for all of those who died past the year of 1880, which was when they started putting people in the concrete vaults, that those, those vault doors will start rolling away in the same way that Jesus rose out of the grave. And as best I can tell, what we see here is that when Jesus brings these souls, those who sleep in Jesus, that these bodies will be resurrected. This will happen first. That you and I, walking through the cemetery together, would see all of this. We'd be watching it happen before our very eyes. And that these bodies would be resurrected and these risen bodies, no longer these worm food bodies that have been decaying in the ground walking about the earth like zombies, but glorified bodies would be then met back up with their souls again and that these souls that jesus brings with them the real people the real beings the real creations of god the real unhindered by sin souls of people that that god has washed clean will then be brought back together with their bodies now this may sound like craziness to you and i'm asking you to pray i'm asking you to seek god's word i'm asking you to i'm asking you to to really seek the word of god in these things but as best i can tell this is what this will look like and I've had people say to me before well I don't want to be cremated when I die because when that time comes when Jesus comes bringing my soul that has been with him the real me that's been with him all these years after I've died I want my body to be intact so that it can then be met back up with my soul someday and I'm thinking listen if God can turn your worm food body that's been decaying for however long, I don't think the cremation deal is going to be a big challenge for Jesus. I just, I just think that He can figure that one out. I think He knows how to raise those things out of the grave, out of their deadness, and then make them alive, make them new, and make them such that it's a glorified body that when it's reunited, that's what we'll see should Jesus come back in our lifetime. I believe that if you and I were to walk through a cemetery this week and it happened, that's exactly what we would see. Now if you would please look to verse 17. As we continue to interpret this blueprint that God has given us. It says, Then, everyone shout the word then. Amen. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. So it will not just be those who have died and then the Lord brings their souls back. And then it won't be just them getting new bodies. It will be us also. And there's a great explanation of this. If you would keep your thumb where you are in your Bible, because we'll go back there in a moment. Go now to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. You passed it. On your way there as you were headed to 1 Thessalonians. Go to 1 Corinthians 15 as we see this great explanation of how this looks. It gives us more detail. It's a different page of the blueprint pertaining to the same topic. And all of the mechanically minded guys are saying, yes, he's preaching my language. 1 Corinthians 15, look to verse 50 as we see this explanation of, of, of these new bodies that are required to be with the Lord. It says, now this, I say, this is verse 50, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. In other words, this sin-filled, sin-impacted, knees-hurting, back-aching body will not inherit God's holy kingdom. The things of the 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 worm eaten food bodies that have been dead for years; those things will not then be in heaven. And all the things of defilement that are in the bodies that we are in right now; these broken down shells that continue to break down as we age; these that that will not be part of God's kingdom as we progress through time. Verse fifty one: Behold, I tell you a mystery: we shall not all sleep. In other words, we shall not all die and be in the ground and the Lord bringing our souls back. There will be people on the earth, believers on the earth, when Jesus returns. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. That's all of us. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet... For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. The dead are going to raise out of the grave. They're going to be raised incorruptible and no longer worm food. They're going to be raised incorruptible. And we also shall be changed. As, as we watch this happen first, the dead in Christ rising first, then it will happen to us. We shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye, God's Word says. Verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, in other words, like it was for Moses when Moses says, God, can I see you? Would you let me see your face? And God says, Moses, no no man can see me and live. But I'll put you in the cleft of this rock and you'll be able to see my backside. And it's kind of like this, church. In our natural state in the bodies that we have today, naturally being in front of God, it'd be like putting a leaf in front of a blowtorch. The nature of one would consume the nature of the other. These broken bodies can't handle it. These eyes can't handle it. These ears can't handle hearing that much glory, seeing that much glory, experiencing that much goodness and grace and power of God. These bodies would just disintegrate into nothing. That's why we'll be changed, just like the people that will be raised out of the graves will be changed in an instant in the twinkling of an eye. So that when all of those things have happened, when the mortal is put on immortality, when the corruptible is put on incorruption, when that, when that has happened, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Amen? Death will be swallowed up in victory. Verse fifty-five. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good news verse right there, church. So what is the point of all this? I'm going to invite you now to go back to 1 Thessalonians 4. Our thumbs should already be there. Chapter 4, verse 18. Here's the point to all this therefore everyone say the word therefore therefore or because of these things church because of the fact that your that your family loved ones who have died who knew the lord you knew they knew the lord and you all know what i'm talking about we've all been to those funerals where it's like yes this person loved jesus they're in heaven no question and we've all also been to those funerals and i've been to many of them sadly where you're just like man i don't really know their life never really had any fruit. They never trusted Jesus. They never, they never did anything in their life that made you think like they, they're really trusting Jesus with their life. But for those that you know trust Him, those that are saved, because their bodies will be resurrected, because their souls have been with Jesus, the real them has been with Jesus all along. And we'll see that happen. And then in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that same thing, our bodies will be then changed. We won't all sleep, but they'll be changed. And we'll be up in the air to meet them with the Lord. Because of all those things... Comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. So if you feel like taking notes, and I certainly hope that you do, you can write this down. Impending victory is good reason to be comforted. Impending victory is good reason to be comforted. There's many people that are experiencing discomfort in our world today. Stress and anxiety at an all-time high. I was sent an article by one of you this week that was talking about pastors are committing suicide and considering suicide at higher rates than ever before because of this coronavirus 2020 season that we are all in. But what I'm telling you today, church, is because of what our Lord has done, our impending victory is good reason for us to be comforted today. There's a reason for us to smile today. When we stand on this high precipice and we we see the the journey that we're getting ready to hike on, there's a de- definite moment. We don't know exactly when we'll get to it, but there's the moment we see in the blueprint where we say, there it is, there's victory, there's Jesus coming back. And that's good news. If you believe it, say amen. That's good, good news. I don't watch the news much. I try not to. I try to only to watch to the extent that I know what the devil's doing in the world. And And we see plainly anymore, it seems like, the devil used to hide in the workings that he did, but now in the world it's just like, man, everything is in plain sight and one of the things that one of the many things that have been in plain sight recently uh, is that churches are being threatened with their five oh one three c status being taken away their their tax status, and it usually comes from many groups, but the predominant one would be the lgbtq that they they see it as hate speech that we teach that their lifestyles wrong the same way that my lifestyle was wrong. I, their lifestyle is no different than mine before I was saved. Or any of yours before you were saved. And there's things that we say are sin. that The blueprint that God's Word say are just sinful. Drunkenness and fornication and idolatry and adultery. Those things are just sinful. They just are. And, and the world that doesn't like those things, they say, well, if they're going to preach a message that doesn't make me feel good, that doesn't include me in that, which... It's such a shame because I told you this morning that there's room at the cross for them. That Jesus' blood is powerful enough to forgive the person that has submitted to that kind of lifestyle. And the person that I was, the blood of Jesus is powerful for those things. But the threats that they make because we're apparently not inclusive, I don't know how you get more inclusive than the cross, but but because we're not inclusive in that way supposedly that they're going to take away, that they they vouch for our 5013C status being taken away. And that can be scary. You see many churches get scared by those things and that really shaking the hearts of people. But listen, when I see God's Word and I I get rid of the distractions and I'm just looking at the blueprint, yes, I know that the building construction process has some messy moments along the way. But when I just fixate my eyes on God's Word and what He's told me and what, what He's told us to do, all of a sudden it's like, man... That's the, that's the best the devil can do? <laughs> take away our tax status? I mean, come on. I've got, there's a definite moment in my journey where it's marked by absolute, certain, no question, victory. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. That's good news. Death is going to be swallowed up in victory. I have a reason to smile today and every day. Now take your Bibles back. 1 Thessalonians, now chapter 5. We'll be going into verse 1. God graciously teaches this church and reminds us about this whole body and soul ordeal, how those are different, but how God perfectly preserves both of them in His great power. We trust Him. I love that. I love that we can just trust Jesus in those things. But he reminds us also of another truth regarding the time. So it's almost as if the Thessalonians say, okay, Jesus, I can see. We see the landscape. We see our certain absolute victory, no question. But what's it going to look like until we get there? Which is a good question. I think that's a question that all of our hearts would be asking as well. And God answers that question, I believe. Look to verse 1, chapter 5. It says, but concerning the times, concerning the getting there, church, between now and then, and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you For you yourselves look to your neighbor and say, That's you. Know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. So there's a recap, there's a reminder of the knowledge that they already know that this day, the day of the Lord, the day that Jesus returns, will come as no surprise to them. We know it will be an unexpected hour. But with the times and the seasons, not the specific moment, not the specific date, but Jesus uses the illustration of a tree. When you see the tree budding, you know that summer is near. And what He's saying is that you yourselves know church at Thessalonica. You yourselves know New Covenant Community Church. The seasons and the times. We see our world progressing towards these things. We've noticed that the tree is beginning to bud but there's something else that perhaps the church at Thessalonica was familiar with this for peace and safety will be what other people are saying this is such an interesting piece of this that I hope you focus in and listen to this Uh, perhaps church the church at Thessalonica was familiar with the Gospel of Matthew if my memory serves me correctly the Gospel of Matthew was written somewhere between A.D. 50 and A.D. 70. So between 50 and 70 years after the time of Christ was when the Gospel of Matthew was written. And it's known with a little bit more certainty that it was in the early 50 A.D.s that the books of First and Second Thessalonians were written. So very good chance that this church was familiar with the Gospel of Matthew, which says in 24 verse 37, but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So you ask yourself the question, how did the church of Thessalonica know this? And it's probably very likely because of this verse. As in the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So for Noah and his family, they were told of God that they were to build this ark and they they knew that the tree was about to bud. They knew that summer was coming. They knew that they knew that the flood waters were coming that God's judgment flood waters were coming. They knew that. For you and I today, we know as the blueprint tells us that that God's judgment on the earth is coming, called the great tribulation that we read of in our Bibles. We know that God's great judgment on the earth is coming. You can only Butcher so many babies in the womb, and so God judges a culture like that. You can only commit so many heinous crimes against God before God's judgment is poured on that. And you and I as believers, we see those things. We know that. And we see them coming. And you might say, Well, Pastor Ben, last week you told us that that men's hearts would fail them, that people would actually be having heart attacks based on the things they see coming. How is it now that you're telling us that they'll be saying peace and safety? Well, If God's Word equates the coming of Christ to the time of Noah, consider the time of Noah as we just use our imaginations and think about it. Noah and his family knew that the day was coming, but what were the people saying? They were saying that Noah was a fool. That the rainwaters weren't going to come. A worldwide flood, you're building this boat. They didn't even know what boats were back then, and here is Noah building a huge one. They were saying it's a fool's game to think that flood floodwaters are going to come. This is ridiculous. This is crazy. Nothing's going to happen. Peace and safety. Until what? I imagine there were many people that died of heart attacks as they saw the floodwaters erupting. They were not saying peace and safety then. And I believe in the very same way that it will happen at the return of Christ. That right now people say it's a fool's game for Christians to believe that Jesus is going to come back. It's foolish to think those kinds of things. Nothing's ever happened like that before. They don't believe in anything that's real. There's no way that that's going to happen. But if they were walking through a cemetery, and they see the Lord coming, and they saw graves erupting, and they saw these Christians leaving earth, then there will be people who will be having heart attacks of great fear and terror of what's happening on the earth. So when I stand on this precipice, church, and we look over, we not only see that Jesus is our victory, He is our impending escape. Impending escape is good reason, church. To be comforted. To be comforted. I imagine that as Noah was building the ark, he's saying, Lord, thank You for showing me this way. Thank You that You're going to pour out Your judgment on all the earth, but but You're providing this escape for me and my family. So we ought to go through life in the same kind of way. Jesus, I know that You're going to judge this world. You're going to judge the wickedness that's in it, but God, thank You for Jesus. Thank You for the ark of Jesus that I can be in, that me and my family can be in. And, and not only that, but we can we can call people to be on this with us. We can, we can witness and share the gospel and, and make it such that we're on the, the escape of Jesus. I've had people say to me before, well, Pastor Ben, you shouldn't treat Jesus like your get-out-of-jail-free card. And I say, He's not just my get-out-of-jail-free card, He's my get-out-of-everything-free card. He's my get-out-of-everything-free card. So we stand on this high place and we view the, the journey that we're getting ready to embark on, the future of the church. We know that it's absolute victory and pending victory is a good reason to be comforted, and so is our escape church. So is our escape. We've got the blueprint. It shows us how to escape. And the reason we know this is a great escape, why is this such a great thing? It's because you and I know people of God's Word know the great tribulation that is coming. We know the great judgment on the earth that is indeed coming because we have the blueprint. At my mom's house in Springboro, Ohio, uh, there's this Kind of a nice, really nice country road, really quiet. It's not a whole lot of traffic. Usually the only traffic there are the cars, the people that live there. And, uh, and right just at the, almost at the corner of my mom's property, it's, there's a curve. There's a very sharp, almost a 90 degree country road kind of curve. And I was sitting on the porch swing one day, and I'm watching. The, it was very common, still is, that on summer evenings, joggers will jog on this road. Because it's so quiet. It's very pretty. Um, just a great road to be on. And I watched these two joggers and they were both kind of approaching and from the angle I was sitting, I could see these two joggers and one of them was going one way jogging and the other one was kind of like jogging, kind of walking, mostly walking because they were on their cell phone. And I see, I'm just, I'm probably 100, 200 yards away, something, I don't know how far away it was, but I see all of a sudden the one jogger leap across the road and shove the person that was on their phone into the ditch. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like this is, I need to, like I even, it kind of startled me. I stood up and I'm thinking, what is getting ready to happen? And just a very brief moment later, a pickup truck barreling down the road exactly where that person on their phone was went right by. And, and that person on the phone, they didn't see it coming, they, they didn't see what was coming. And what I'm telling you today, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, is you're walking down the road with your face in your phone, you don't know what's coming. And as much as I can give you a loving spiritual shove to show you that you must repent, you must trust Jesus with your life, you must turn from the way that you're living, from the things that you think are better ideas than what Jesus says is the best idea, you must turn from that. And you must follow Jesus. You must pick up your cross and follow Jesus. If you and I could go back in Noah's day, Knowing the story, I mean, let's say you and I today, knowing the story, knowing the end of it, could go back and we're standing there on the building site of this ark, and there's all these people mocking and jeering Noah and his family for building this ark. What what would you say to them? I mean, seriously, like like what what, what goes through your mind of what you would tell these people, knowing that in a matter of days their whole family is going to drown? That God's judgment for all of their wicked sin and all of their willful rebellion. Not God mean in heaven just killing people cause it's fun. No. People that have willfully rebelled against God. And the same way that there are people in this room today that willfully rebel against God. What would you say to those people? You'd look at them and you'd grab them by the shirt and you'd say, listen, this is coming. You, you've got to get on the ark. There's judgment coming. You don't want to be here when this pickup truck comes rolling down the road. You don't want to be here when this floodwaters just erupt out of everywhere and your family, your young children are drowning to death. You don't want to be here. And what I'm telling you, church, with every passion of love I can muster in my voice to you this morning, is you don't want to be here, church. You don't want to be here, dear person, dear friend. When Jesus returns to pour out judgment upon the earth for your willful rebellion against Him, You don't want to be here for that if you haven't read the blueprint I have and if you haven't read it You should go read it too so that you can then be convinced that you don't want to be here Because he's a good God God will make right every wrong Every baby that has been aborted in the womb. God will right that wrong every sin that has been committed. God will right that wrong He's a good God. He's a just God. He is a good judge. A judge just doesn't let some criminal go away just because. Because the criminal thinks that the judge, if, well, the criminal thinks if the judge is a good judge, he'll love all of us and he'll let all of us. No. God is a good judge. And sin will be punished. And I'm just, I'm pleading with you this morning. Let Jesus pay your fine. Let Jesus pay your fine this morning. 1 Thessalonians, we're in chapter 5. Look now, if you would please, to verse 4. And this is the good news, church. This is is the description. It's almost as if God reminds the church at Thessalonica who they are in case they had forgotten. So just in case any of us have forgotten this morning, church, as God's children, be reminded of who we are. Verse 4 says, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should come and overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. In other words, church, keep on building your ark. Keep on living for the Lord. Keep on doing what it is, dads, raising your young children to know and love Jesus. Keep on doing that. Moms, continue to raise your children in that way. Grandparents, continue to pour in them the legacy of faith that you're running and still running faithfully. Don't you give up, senior saint. You keep marching. Keep on building your ark. Let us not sleep as others do. Verse 6, But let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet to the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are asleep, whether we die today and Jesus doesn't come back until the future, whether we sleep, or whether we wake, whether we are alive when Jesus returns, that we should live together with Him. If that's good news, everyone say Amen. So we're standing on this precipice and we see God's judgment. We see the blueprint of it. We don't know exactly what it will look like, but we see that it is coming. And we know that Jesus is our victory. He's our escape, both for those that have died. Their souls are with them. They've already won this kind of victory, but we'll all be with Him together in the air in this way. This brings us great comfort. I mean, this this gives me a reason to wake up and smile in the morning. And I hope that it does for you too. And those things, church, are promised. They're promised. When you're God's child, those things are promised. The victory, the escape. If you're God's child, you're in the ark. What a sweet thing. What a better than anything kind of thing. But there's also something that is optional here. A a call for us to do. If you're ready to hear it, everyone say amen. Verse 8, I hope you got it. Look back to verse 8. But let us who are of the day be sober putting on, that's the part that we get to do, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. A breastplate in biblical times for a soldier protected the vital organs that protected the lungs and particularly the heart. A helmet protected the head. The things that we are invited to put on between now and when Jesus returns, that date of which we do not know, but the seasons of which we have determined, we're invited to put on a breastplate of faith and love, that faith and love would be in our hearts. If that sounds good to you, everyone say yes. We need some more of that in our own church, in our own lives, let's strengthen ourselves with this breastplate of faith that we are invited to put on that protects our hearts with both faith and love. And not only that, but a helmet, a helmet of hope, People need some hope in their heads today. We've got a lot of all kinds of stuff in people's heads today, particularly fear, but we need some hope. Everyone say the word hope. We need some hope in our heads today, a helmet of hope. And I can't think of a better witness for Christ in today's world, in the year 2020, than for the Christ follower to be faith-filled, love-filled, hope-filled, and all of these things as they progress through life with a smile on their face. So let me ask you a question, church, and this is some deep working theology. So so draw in and understand how the nature of the Lord applies to us in this way. Why is it that God invites us to put on this breastplate of faith and love and a helmet of hope? Why is it that He invites us to do those things? Is it so that we can just chill out and do nothing? Is it so that we can just... We know we're on this journey and we trust that there's this definite moment of victory and escape, and we just we put on the armor and we just, ah! we just try to run through it as fast as we can and not let anything bother us, and we just try to get to that point as fast as we can and being unscathed. I don't think that's the reason that God invites us to put on this armor. Armor in biblical times and even today, it's made for one going into battle. It's made for one going on a mission. So what's our mission, church? It's to produce disciples marked by love and loyalty. Many churches and many pastors are asking themselves the question right now, both internally and externally. They're saying, how in the world are we supposed to make disciples when everybody's favorite thing to do is argue on Facebook? Like, how are we even supposed to do that? And when everybody is so easily offended and there's seemingly so much wickedness in the world that comes against the church, how are we supposed to do that? Listen, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And I believe that our church will do this. I believe that as we march faithfully, that we'll put on this armor for this purpose of making disciples marked by love and loyalty. Yes, even in the times that we are in. So our last point today, church, our impelling mission is good reason to be comforted. Our impelling mission is good reason to be comforted and here's why i believe it's good reason to be comforted could you imagine a general of an army and he has these soldiers that are well trained well equipped and they're going into the battlefield they've got a mission before them and the general sheepishly comes up and says well here's your here's your armor and and you might you're probably going to need it because you're probably not going to survive and and boy, I hope you just need to make it to that hilltop and the helicopter will come and get you from there. So I just hope you make it from there to there and I hope you don't get killed on the way. Like, would that inspire confidence in the soldiers? No. They'd be looking at, like, why are we even doing this? This is, what's the point of this? But if the general says to the soldiers, Suck the gut in. Stick the chest out. Here's your armor. You're made for this. You were born for this journey. You are equipped. You have everything you need to not just reach that destination, but to fulfill every single part of the mission that God has set before you until you reach that moment those soldiers would look at each other and say let's go so what am i saying i'm saying that jesus says to you and i stand tall army of god lift up your head suck in the gut stick out the chest Put on the full armor of God. Yes, there's going to be some trials between now and the time of Christ's return that we don't yet understand exactly when that will be. But we know that we're progressing in this time. And He says, "Put on the armor. You've got the confidence. You've got the confidence of this mission that I've given you. You've got the Holy Spirit residing inside of you. You were made for this." Jesus says, "Before He went, I'm with you even to the end of the age. You have Jesus with you on this mission. So I'm going into a church with confidence." and a smile on my face, knowing that God has provided for me everything that I need for the journey ahead until He comes. And I'm going to continue marching steadfast until He does. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Brian, if you would come, and if you, the rest of you would stand with me. I hope, I hope, I hope that it has been made clear to you, church, what's going on in our world today, that you've stood up on the precipice with me and you see clearly our certain victory our certain escape and our certain mission that you're emboldened to do what it is that god has called you to do child of god to share the good news of christ to make disciples one of our core values produce disciples marked by love and loyalty yes even in the world that we're in today i believe we can do here's why i believe we can we can do it we're doing it (laughs) okay That's why I believe we can do it is because I've seen the Holy Spirit work through our church. I've seen what the Holy Spirit's beginning to do. I see how God is using us. I see how God is breaking our hearts over sin. Sin that the rest of the world just, whatever. But the Holy Spirit is moving. God is working. God is working in my heart. We're on this journey and I'm emboldened. I'm emboldened that Jesus doesn't say, "Yeah, I just hope you make it out alive until I come get you. No, he says, put on the breastplate of faith and love. Hold your head up high. Smile. You've got good reason to be faithful and comforted in what I've done for you. And I hope, dear friend, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I hope you aren't comforted because you shouldn't be. Great terror is coming for you. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to be real. I'm trying to preach. I'm trying to say, here's what the blueprint says. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but here's what I know is true. This wall is supposed to be this high. This is how the dimensions of this room. And I'm saying, God says that He's a good judge. He tells that much of Himself. And you've sinned against Him. Just as I have and continue to, but you must be covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're a believer this morning, everyone say yes. You must be covered of His blood must repent you must trust him you must be on the ark if i could jump across the street and shove you into the ditch i would (laughs) because i love you i love you the message today applies whether or not jesus comes in our lifetime this is we're in the middle of the thing this is not this is yes a book that was written by the hand of god through humans but But we're right in the middle of the story. The story isn't even done yet. So when people tell you that the Bible is an old book, you're in the middle. You're in the story. The story's not even done yet. It's not an old book. It was written a little bit before you were around. And it tells the story of your life and how God can forgive you when you trust and follow Him. And I invite anyone, all people, at all points, if you've never done that, to do that. And any other prayer need that you have, I'd be happy to join you up here as we pray and as we worship the Lord together. So would you join us and, and as we are led in worship?